Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Many of us can remember what we were doing or where we were on September 11th, 20 years ago. For Carol Marine, she remembers a New York firefighter who saved her life. She was at the site of the attack in New York that morning, covering the story as a 60 Minutes correspondent for CBS News. All of a sudden, there was a roll, an explosion, and we could see coming at us a ball of flame stories high. He and others screamed, run, and I ran. Uh, I fell. One of them picked me up. We ran as fast as we could, and then he threw me into the wall of a building and covered me. That was Carol reporting live on air what she had just seen and experienced. In the video of the broadcast, you can see soot and ash covering her Navy suit. The veteran Chicago journalist joins us now to discuss her memories of 9-11 and why it's important to remember the events of that day. Carol, welcome back to Reset. Oh, thank you so much. As you listen back to that tape of yourself describing what happened on September 11, 2001, what comes to mind? So many things kind of converge at once. But the main thing, always, is how grateful I am that a series of first responders conspired to get me to the broadcast center to save my life and to allow me to continue to report. You know, I can't think of that day and sitting on the set with Dan Rather without thinking about the firefighter, the police officer, the paramedics who gave me a lift in their ambulance. So it's with a full heart, really, that I, that I look at that video. Though I have to tell you truthfully, I try not to look at that video very much at all. Why? Because it's just too real. It's too close still. I mean, 20 years is a long time, but it might as well be an hour ago for me. Tell us more about what happened that morning. What do you remember most? You know, I remember the sense, and it's funny because I teach journalism at DePaul University and try to explain to students that everything you do is the background by which you do your reporting for the next day. And everything I did for all those years ultimately prepared me in some way or another for that day. Mm. And so, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Anniversaries are weird. And 9-11 is, you know, it still chokes me up from time to time. You never found out who that firefighter was. So if you had a chance to sit down with him, do you know what you would want to say? The same thing I said, really, to the the police officer to whom he handed me off when I, I was reunited with him about a year ago exactly a year ago. It's to remember together. I would want to know what he remembers because everything is, you know, from your own lens, your own perspective. And I guess it would be just to talk it through again Mm -hmm. and to ask him where he went after, because he saved me. And then he very quickly handed me off 
to a police officer who held my hand as we went through the darkness of all of all of that debris field that was falling down on us. Yeah. So I'd like to know where he went and what happened to him and how he is and how his health is. Uh, there would be a lot of questions. How is your health? My health is good, but I'm mindful of my lungs and have been ever since because in that giant darkness of debris and dust were the toxic chemicals of every kind of building material on top of, and I never forget this, on top of the, the particles of people, of people who were in those stairwells trying to get down, people who were in those offices who were told, go back in, you're fine, the fire department's here. One of the stories I did for 60 Minutes after that day was to visit the home of a Morgan Stanley vice president, a woman, a number of days later as she made her first trek back to Wall Street. I took the ferry with her from New Jersey. We walked into the sort of triaged new office that was Morgan Stanley as their offices were being reconstructed. Mm -hmm. And she was in one of those stairwells on the 45th floor and said, she began to say out loud as she descended the Hail Mary because she did not know that she was going to get down to the first floor. All those things, you know, are just kind of throat closers in a way when you think of them. Yeah. Tell us more about the the kind of toll that reporting on 9-11 had on you. Because I, I wonder, Carol, if it was hard for you to stay in journalism after reporting on something so traumatic. Really the opposite. I'm not glad it happened, believe me, but I'm grateful that I was there and could do what we do in this business, which is to tell the story to people who aren't there, to be the connection between the event and the people who need to know what it was and what it felt like, what it smells like. I mean, New York, that bases of those two enormous towers burned for weeks and weeks because of all the, the pool jet fuel and all the material on fire to give them some sense, some feeling of what it, what it was. And so I'm glad I was doing the work I was doing then and continued Mm -hmm. to do it. You mentioned earlier, Carol, you didn't want to talk about 9-11 anymore at one point. But later you kind of shifted your mindset and you thought, you know what, we shouldn't forget what happened. Why is it so important for us to remember September 11th? Because in that moment, for that really brief moment, this country this divided, polarized, politically adversarial country, even then, came together in some sense of united purpose and united experience. And our allies and even some of our enemies came to put their arms around us. That was a brief and important moment, I think, that we have since squandered. We've 
as a country in its policies demonized Muslims have gone back to our politically polarized corners and lost what I think was a great gift of unity and unity of purpose. And so I think that it's important to remember it also because of the people who perished. One of the reasons Sasha and I was having a hard time talking about it for a number of years was I felt I'd said it and said it and said it across the first anniversary, the second anniversary, Mm -hmm. the fifth anniversary. And I began to feel that it kept being in the course of those interviews, my story versus our story. And the story of all the people who risk their lives to rescue and to dig out and to sift remains and to save people's lives. And so I thought, I got to quit talking about this for a while. And so, and so I did. But you're right. My perspective began to shift again. And I began to really feel that, mm-hmm. that moments like this uh, are reminders of what we can be as a country. But these stories, you're now, you're sharing them with students, right, at DePaul University. You teach journalism there. And uh, for them, 9-11 isn't a memory. It's part of history. What lessons are you trying to pass on to them? Just yesterday in class, we talked about 9-11 because one of the things I have to do and my co-director, Don Mosley, has to do is very first day of class, you say, do you know where the stairway exits are in the event of an emergency? Do you know how to get downstairs? And do you know that you don't even grab a coffee cup or your bag? You just go because it could be an active shooter situation, a terrorist attack, a fire, a bomb scare, whatever. And we showed them the video. We explained that this is part of the legacy of 9-11. How do you leave a tall, multi-story building in the event of a disaster? And I always go back to that vice president for Morgan Stanley who said the Hail Mary going down. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's just happened. And so we try to tell them that and we try to explain what, sort of what I just said a little bit earlier, which is everything they will do in their journalism career is going to lay the groundwork for the next thing. And one of these days, one of these terrible days, I pray it doesn't happen, but they're going to be in some sort of disaster situation, some unexpected moment where they have to drop everything and begin to tell a story they couldn't imagine they would need to tell. And so it's to be ready. I'm going to ask you for some advice I wish I had during my days reporting in the field. And it kind of goes off of what you were just talking about. It is inevitable. Breaking news, major disasters are going to happen. We're living in the midst of a deadly pandemic that virtually no one saw coming. How can reporters who are sent out to cover these stories, often very traumatic, how can they practice self-care or mental health care, even well after the cameras are off and the recorders are off? It's it's a great question, and it's something we talk about all the time in class. It's that you will go cover and see horrible things. When you go home, home needs to be a place where your world has some friends you can talk to 
about everything, including other things. There need to be in your life way stations of sanity and quiet and, um, and, and support. And, and we discuss that because you can't take every tragedy and make it your own and take it into your house and visit it on your kids. You can explain what you do, but you've also got to see the other things in your life. And it takes practice. And sometimes it takes help, some therapy, some guidance, some counseling. None of those things are things that anyone in our business or any place else should be ashamed of or afraid to reach out to because it, it does take a toll. In, in some ways, so certainly not as police or firefighters, we're first responders, too, and we have an obligation to do our job well, and then we have an obligation to protect our own health for the sake of ourselves and for the people who love us. You said you recognize what covering 9-11 did for the rest of your career. Do you think that it changed your perspective of journalism? It reinforced it. I mean, I've always loved journalism, but not been blind to its massive flaws. I mean, right after 9-11, we went to Afghanistan, where Osama bin Laden was hiding in Tora Bora. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were all sorts of things to go and see. But the thing I worried about back then was, and it, it came out as a fact, that we covered the Iraq war and the invasion poorly. And journalists made some terrible mistakes. So did administrations, by the way. But we can't be cheerleaders. I don't like the embed approach because then you're too close to people and you're afraid to report the truth of what happens. I think that journalism always, in good times and terrible times, needs to constantly search its own soul for how well it's doing the work that we need to do. There's a, there's a, a thing now, our students tell us, objectivity's dead. I'm just going to tell my own personal story and my own personal perspective. And we explain in our class, we're not your mom and dad. We can't tell you how to live your life. But in this class, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to tell other people's stories. And we are going to do our best to not make it some sort of narcissistic exercise about us, but about the people you're looking at and talking to and trying to help understand a story. We're marking the 20th anniversary of 9-11, so 20 years. Still hard to wrap our minds around the fact that this has been 20 years. What are you going to be reflecting on tomorrow morning? Tomorrow morning, I mean, it will be certainly with me. I'll call the police officer who held my hand and thank him again for taking me through the darkness of that toxic black air into into the light. But beyond that, I won't do anything related to 9-11. I've been asked to do interviews all this week, and I've done them. But I told people I'm not doing any tomorrow. And this is the second to the last one, Sasha, that I'm going to do. And, Thank you. Um, and, and then I'm going to get on a horse and ride it because I... I I have a horse I love, and then I'm going to cook something, and I'm going to, as you and I discussed, try to see all the rest of the good things in my life.
That's Carol Marine, co-director of DePaul University's Center for Journalism Integrity and Excellence. Carol, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you. And that's today's Reset. For more of our interviews, subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating and review. It really helps other people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thank you for joining, and we'll see you back here soon. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.